Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Train Like a Ranger podcast, where we talk about all things fitness, nutrition, and military prep. I'm Daniel Burnett. Uh, James Tony, say hi. Yes. And today we have a very special guest, Major Sydney Jacks. Ma'am, thank you hey. so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Happy to have you on. And uh, so Major Jacks is a very decorated officer. She has uh, served... Uh, in the 75th Ranger Regiment, she also earned uh, the Ranger tab, and she has multiple uh, deployments. and uh, And we're we're so happy to have you on today to talk about your path, what made you choose the path you did, and uh, your tips for um, people and and particularly women to be successful in hard charging paths like the one you chose. So uh, that being said, um, what uh, what made you join the Army? So um, what made me join the army was basketball. Uh, first off, I'm the youngest of four born and raised in New Jersey and played sports since I could really walk, grew up just kind of understanding the world through watching my older siblings play in sports. And majority of those young, those teams I played on when I was young were with boys until I didn't really have that option anymore. Um, and then, so I played basketball my whole life up into high school, was recruited to play basketball at the university of Scranton and on my recruiting trip, um, I found out about the four-year ROTC scholarship. Um, I couldn't really afford college on my own anyway, and I wanted to play division three cause I wanted to play for a really good team. Um, so I found out about the scholarship. I applied it, applied for it. And I was supported from my family, which is a huge plus. Uh, my dad was a naval officer. He had two tours in Vietnam. Um, and then and serving in the military goes very, very far back in my family, all the way back to the Revolutionary War. So my family was pretty supportive of it. And, you know, even my dad was like pushing me to go to West Point or the Naval Academy. But I just I wanted a normal college experience, which I'm very grateful that I had. Uh, so I did four years of playing basketball and doing ROTC. And so when I commissioned, well, when I graduated, I commissioned, um, the same, like the day before. And so that's why I joined the army. And I just quickly realized there's so many parallels between athletics and sports and the army. Uh, so I did my minimum commitment and decided to stay. So now we're like 10 and a half years later and here we are. So um, how was, I don't know, obviously each college is different. How was uh, doing sports at a college, D3 college and ROTC, how did that work together? Because I know some ROTCs are a little bit more, they have a lot more yeah. going on than others. So I didn't know how much you actually had to do on the ROTC side, like going to the field and stuff versus you're practicing and uh, fitness and stuff for sports. So the school that I went to is actually one of the, the largest ROTC programs in the Northeast as well. And it's a phenomenal ROTC program, which I really lucked out. <laughs> I, I lucked out in a lot of ways. Um, my, my coach for Scranton, um, he supported me doing ROTC. It also kept me in great shape on the off season. And it's, I mean, it's leadership stuff in general. So the fact that he was supportive of me doing ROTC allowed me to do ROTC. And then my leadership on the ROTC side was very supportive of me playing basketball. Um, 
so I could manage both. I mean, I think basketball is one of the hardest sports to do both. I mean, basketball goes from October all the way into March if you're on a good program. Um, but the fact that both both sides supported me doing both is the only reason I could really manage. Um, there's a lot of programs, there's a lot of schools that make it very difficult um, for their athletes or their cadets to do both. Uh, but I just, I got lucky with a great coach and a, and a great leadership from the Army. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like summertime, there's always like a month that I'm doing some sort of ROTC stuff. And outside of that month, I would just coach basketball camps. Um, so it just kind of worked out. Do you still play basketball? I try to, yeah. Like yeah. the apartment that I live in in DC has like a full court on the first floor. And that's the reason I picked it. The rent's a little higher, but it's worth it because I get to play. I mean, I, yeah. I used to play quite a bit um, on the weekends on like Fort Bragg and Fort Benning. I'd try to play during PT and not get caught. Um, yeah. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. <clears throat> yeah. um, that's cool. Um, so additional to that, um, so you're, you're very fit. Um, what uh, did you do anything else? Like, did you have like uh, like a weightlifting routine that you did? Um, prior to, you know, um, commissioning into the army, like, did you lift weights? Did you run additional to, um, the training in basketball and what you did in basketball? So not really, like I, you gotta think, you know, weightlifting for, for women, at least for, for me, like I've, it's, I've been in athletics my whole life. Two, two of my siblings are college coaches. Um, so I've, I've just been around that environment quite a bit. Um, in high school, maybe we started incorporating the female teams into the weight room. Um, I just, at least for basketball, like I was tiny. So I'm five, nine now I, I grew, I went to college at five, three, um, by the end of my freshman year, I was five, nine. So I was like a tiny point guard. I was really little already. I was very small, very quick. Um, so I'm not saying like, I didn't need to lift weights. It just wasn't really in our culture yet for women. I think, especially in athletics at the D3 level, like we would go to the weight room and train, but not like the, not like the women you're seeing on Instagram now or in the army now where it's, it's normal. It's cool. Like it's hot, like being fit and being strong. Like it just wasn't that much of a, it wasn't that much of a thing, at least for me in high school and college. Um, I was already in shape uh, enough, like run, I like to run, I like to work out, I like to do any type of activity, uh, but it just wasn't really like at least weightlifting and CrossFit wasn't really a part of my life until um, my second assignment with the White Falcons in the 82nd. And that's when I, I got into weightlifting and I got into training because that's when Ranger School started to become a normal thing in conversation and started really I started getting my sights on, on wanting to go to Ranger school, uh, wanting to try to get to 75th Ranger regiment. And then, um, once I made that commitment to put a packet together for RASP, it was like game on. I've got about five months to work my ass off, um, to get to the standard. So. And that's fair. I, I, I mean, think basketball is probably a like the, list of things that basketball is yeah. not super weightlifting heavy either i don't think in no. general even for men yeah like you want to you want to be lean 
in that sport anyway. Yeah. Um, especially being like a point guard and being a guard. It's not like I was a, a center or anything. Um, so. Yeah. So um, that said, you talked about uh, the White Falcons. And we, we had talked to about this before where you said that was the place where um, they started talking about the 75th Ranger Regiment. And then you got your sights on that. There was, there was, um, there was an event uh, that made you want to join the 75th Ranger Regiment. Can you talk more about that? What got you interested in joining the 75th? Yeah, I mean, as we've talked before, there's a few events. I, I think, I think what it is, and especially tying into kind of what I just opened up about with playing sports with um, really only boys, is, again, because at that time they just started creating like female rec teams and my parents wouldn't let me play in the female leagues. Like I, I only played with the boys. So my social skills kind of developed in that, in that area until yeah. like puberty started. And then I was like, Oh God, I'm around a bunch of girls. Like I kind of, I just, I felt this thing that I was missing. And then once I was, I had my first assignment as a platoon leader, a postal platoon leader, in the 82nd Sustainment Brigade. And um, so, yeah, I'm a postal ranger. It's it's cool. And and I was like, ah, you know, I, I would like this. I like being a platoon leader. I, I like being close to whatever we're doing. I like motivating people, but this is just not it. And then I was assigned, this is before the marketplace and everything. Um, I was assigned to White Falcons in 2nd Brigade 82nd. And I just, I felt that thing that I had been missing for so long where I just felt a part of the team. Like I just felt like I was a part of a team that has a bigger mission, a harder mission. The fitness is there. The intensity is there. The competition is there. The like show up at work intense, ready to go. And if you're not, you're going to get walked on. Um, I just missed that environment. And I was working with the most just awesome guys, like amazing friends. Um, I deployed with them and I had to redeploy early to go to the captain's career course. And I was just really, really bummed that I couldn't, I had to like HRC made me have to redeploy because I extended already to go on that deployment. And, um, I went to the captain's career course and I am AG, I'm not infantry. So I went back to my community of people and was like, Oh my God, like I, I just, I can't go back to anything else. I don't, I don't want to be in any type of other unit than the infantry and supporting them. And, um, so I, I just missed it. And, you know, I worked with a lot of guys from 75th Ranger Regiment or putting their packet in to go to regiment. Um, my battalion command sergeant major was one of them. And, I was his first assignment outside of regiment was, was in that battalion and just working with so many of those men. I was like, I just, I want to keep working for them, especially as AG and managing HR, I'm taking care of people. And I wanted to just be on the best team and take care of the guys that I thought had the hardest jobs and needed HR support, not just with like awards and promotion or anything, but casualty operations and strength management and how to make a squad, a full squad, how to make sure the companies have fully manned platoons. 
um, and really bringing that to the fight, um, that operational support. And yeah. I was like, okay, like, I don't want to go to any other unit. I want to go where I want to play on the best team. And that kind of just goes back from that mentality as a kid, where it's like, you want to be, you want to play for the best team and contribute to it. So. Yeah. And you had said uh, the, the command Sergeant major that you had mentioned was actually, he was a private in the battle of Mogadishu. And then that was his first assignment outside of regiment. Is that correct? This yeah. command Sergeant major. So he's a big influence on, on you to go yeah. that path as well. Now, um, yeah. Uh, Tony, you were going to ask something and then I'll, well, I was going to say, it's interesting. It's funny, um, that want for that, like camaraderie and that team mentality is funny. It's something that we talk about a lot that veterans deal with when they get out of the army where they have a hard time finding that it's interesting that you had found it in sports and then you kept chasing it through into the army. Um, just yeah. cause I know a lot of guys feel that, especially when they get out of the military, they're like, man, this is different you know we're not not everybody's like working together for the same thing and it just is a hard time for people on the outside it's funny that you found it and then continued to find it and then continue to search for it at a higher level as you went through college and then into your military career yeah i think i i think i realized i was how much i was missing it and it's not like i didn't feel that with my with my team at scranton i definitely felt it there but i just i hadn't found my place yet um, and I was just searching for it. And I think there's, I think there's a little bit of that in all of us that joined the army, um, just trying to find our home. <laughs> sure. I don't know. <laughs> just trying to find a, a different, not, I'm not, I love my family, but, um, there's a different sense of family in the military. Right. It's also easier to love your family when you don't really live in the same place. Sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Adults, <you> know? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, I can't come home for the holidays. I have to deploy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and uh, now you're you're. Uh, can I say where you are? I say yeah. about yeah. what you. So now you're kind of traveling around Europe, uh, helping set up um, certain systems for the army, doing really cool things out there. So that's pretty incredible. Um, uh, so about uh, about. Going to RASP, uh, this is a good question because we get this one a lot. A lot of people want to ask what RASP 2 is like. And, you know, I like to to ask about the general outline. Like, what is the length? What is the physical? And what is the physical criteria? And then what is your advice for RASP 2 being ready for that? Yeah. So, okay. So RASP 1, um, that's like squad leader down. Uh, that's an eight-week assessment. And RASP-2 is for platoon leadership and up. That includes like um, staff leadership and, and higher. And then you have ILE RASP for majors coming out of ILE. And so RASP-2, that's a three-week course. Um, and I trained, I trained for that while I was at the AG Captain's Career course, which... When I mentor people, like I highly recommend, you know, if you're if you're trying to go as a captain, um, using the captain's career course as a time to train is perfect because you you can get rest, like you can sleep, you can train, you can work out twice a day. As much as I would have tried to do that, being a battalion S one with the White Falcons, like I I couldn't, like uh, it, it was the shop I took over needed a lot of help. I was trying to learn my job, trying to, in, and I could have trained, but I wouldn't have been at my peak performance yeah. um, compared to when I was training at the, at the career course. So um, 
they switch up RASP2. I'm sure they switch up RASP1 quite a bit. They, they switch it up because, I mean, the information gets out on what it is. Um, you have your physical standards. You've got psych stuff. You've got um, intellectual tests. You've got written tests. You've, I mean, it's, they know everything about you um, that they want to know. And there's a board at the end and um, your weaknesses come out, your strengths come out. And you've just got to be very secure with who you are, especially being very secure with what your weaknesses are, because they're going to come out. Yeah. And I kind of knew, I, I mean, I knew what my weaknesses were going in there. Like I passed the physical standards um, that are required and yeah, I mean, it kicked my ass. Um, it's the hardest thing. And I did that prior to going to ranger school too. So I, I already had that experience and that confidence under my belt. Yeah. Um, so so we went through RASP one, obviously, <clears throat> and yeah. I know a lot of like the enlisted guys like to think that RASP two is really easy, um, just because it's shorter and they're like higher ranking. And it's like when we're privates, you're like, nah, that's definitely not as hard as what we have to do for our eight weeks and cold range and all that. But <clears throat> I was always kind of under the impression that it's more, um, more academic, uh, more leadership focused than. Because yep. like you guys are obviously going to be taking over platoons and teams and stuff like that, so I I've always been on the impression that so it is it's is it more academically leadership focused on you guys and making sure that you are going to lead appropriately in regiment is that like its main focus for you guys is that what you felt like it was when you were there? Yeah, that um, it's very intellectual as well, um, and that's kind of where I, I leaned. I'm not saying I'm like super intellectual or anything, but just being AG and the way my brain works and what my strengths are, I, I really leaned heavily on that, on what I could bring my squad and the class. Um, look, I'm, I'm not going to physically compete with your, with the Ranger platoon sergeant. I Me neither. I'm just not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure that there, there, there are women out there that can, and I think that's, that's awesome, especially the ones that are going for the, you know, platoon leader positions they should be able to like that's required of them um for me it's I, I i did the 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 physical standards what i'm hired for is my brain um and my ag my ag craft and my ag skill to fix some manning issues that needed to be fixed so going into ras2 i think there's definitely an in intellectual element to it a professional element to it a how do you carry yourself around very brilliant people. Um, how do you brief? How do you write? Um, how do you interact with your peers? And then there's the board. I mean, it's, it's very much a, can we put you Lieutenant Captain Sergeant so-and-so into a brief with very senior ranking, important people and trust that you can communicate the right way and you can represent our unit and you can represent the Rangers in the right way. And I think there's a, a certain element of that to uh, rest too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nerve wracking by the way, sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, and that, that's something um, that's something that I've always uh, respected about officers as much as we give them a hard time. Like my time going through um, especially Ranger school, uh, there is a difference between how they treat enlisted people going through ranger school and how they treat officers because officers are put more into the like, yes, they try to mix everybody in, 
but the the amount of times that I was made like a platoon leader in Ranger School, which is uh, definitely the hardest leadership position, the grading position, um, it, it's a lot less than the officers. The officers always put in those higher leadership roles typically. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot more. It feels like um, the the expectations are very high, no matter what you go through. So I'm sure at RASP too, there's a lot of high level um, stuff going on as far as like yeah. intellectual stuff and what they want. I mean, it's, it's, it's testing. It's also like, I, I think the biggest thing now that I'm thinking about it is um, a lot of it is testing your ability to think critically uh, assessing risk and thinking critically, making the best decision that you can, the information that you have while your body is exhausted. And that's, that's who you want as a leader in the end, you know? Right. So, yeah. And also it's smaller too. So there's no hiding yeah. in RASP too. No. Like there are going to be some guys that are able to skate through and it's hard to hide in RASP one too, but you can do it if you're good at it. But there, I feel like there's no way you're hiding in RASP two. Like you're not gonna skate by RASP two being a gray man, right? So, which is definitely a good thing, but also not an easy thing to do. And so you went on to to the 75th, and you served there as um as the AG. And I know you helped them a lot with the Manning issue because um, I remember the time when I left, they were kind of hurting to. Um, to make numbers with the recruitment and stuff like that. So they're trying to figure that, that issue. And it sounded like they're turned around quite a bit um, over, over the course of the years. So that that's good to hear. Um, but from there, you serve time at the, at the 75th. Um, what, uh, what was that like? You know, one of the, one of the questions we got was, um, do you have any advice for newcomers looking to serve in the 75th? So can you talk on your experiences and advice you have for serving there? Um, <clears throat> I think you, you, they do a pretty good job, especially at RASP2, of like picking out the people who are selfishly opportunistic or selfishly career, careerists. I don't think it's a bad thing to go for opportunities or care about your career, but there's a certain element of selfishness that can make it very tainted. And yeah. Um, you, you cannot have that mindset. Um, you have to want to work for the Rangers and, and work for those, the teams and work for the squads and the platoons, even all the way up at the brigade level. Um, it's extremely humbling working there because so for me, I was, I was the brigade S one, the regimental S one. And I was in a job that was, should preferably be your second brigade S one job. So as a, as a major or coming out of ILE as a major, and I, I went to RASP right out of the captain's career course. So ideally, like I, I, I should have been a battalion S one. Um, but they needed that AG, um, presence up at, up at brigade. Um, so that was a challenge in itself for me as well, because I, I wasn't necessarily trained or qualified uh, to do that job other than proving myself as a battalion S1 at, with the white Falcons and proving myself with people who had served there, um, and, and being asked to, to do that, to do that job. So I think, uh, I, I was around extremely intelligent people. Um, just because they were infantry does not mean that they, many people probably knew my job better than me. 
um, just because of their intelligence level and their experience and their rank. So being a captain at a table with senior majors, lieutenant colonels who are technically, they're not my peers, but they're, they're the other staff primaries. It's extremely intimidating, um, especially because of their intelligence and their experience in the regiment, knowing that I'm working for a unit with such a profound legacy, um, working with many people who have sacrificed nearly everything uh, while serving in that unit. It's extremely humbling. So just, just that alone keeps you focused. Um, I'm really proud of my time there. It was a very difficult. I mean, just looking at the problem set of my job that I, I kind of walked into, I mean, I was ready for it. Like it's way more fun to go into a job that um, you need to solve stuff for rather than walking into something where you're like, oh, I just need to maintain it. Like, no, I, I would rather go into something that is a challenge. So. Yeah. I feel uh, like for, for many people that place is like showing up and trying to drink out of a fire hydrant, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, um, or like it's Niagara Falls. Like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I mean, a lot of us would, I, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Like I, I had a pretty good understanding of what I was going into just because of the unit that I, I had just come from because of who my mentors were. Um, I didn't, I didn't show up to regiment, like banging on the door, demanding integration and demanding women being there. Um, I was there because there was an HR thing that needed to be fixed and I wanted to be a part of this. I wanted to do it. Um, yeah. so. Yeah, you did. And, and something else that's incredible that you did, uh, and I really want to brag on you for, I'm super pumped. You came on our podcast is this, <laughs> you, you were the first to be, um, uh, be in the 75th and earn the Ranger tab. So you're the first, uh, Ranger tab and scroll woman. So, um, it's an incredible accomplishments and, and, uh, you know, I know it was, uh, it was a tough challenge. I know Ranger school, especially was a tough challenge because at the time it was, it was something that wasn't, uh, you didn't hear of as often. So there was definitely more, um, I would say in some ways adversity that you had to go through than the average, um, candidate. So, you know, can you talk about, uh, uh, Ranger school a little bit? I, I know you had talked to me before about your overall path through it, but you essentially did the entire school twice. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so what was your total, <laughs> they say it's a, uh, six, what do they say? 61 day school, 62 day school. Yeah. Um, yeah. for me, uh, for a lot of people, it's, it's not, um, I spent, uh, I did the Florida phase three times. Um, oh my God. yeah, yeah. It was, uh, just right there at the <laughs> end. That was the worst part, but you, you did, um, everything essentially twice, right? Yeah. So I, my first cert, so I, I shaved my head and started ranger school training, like including cert on April Fool's Day. So on April 1st, and then I finished and, um, got my ranger tab on the 28th of October. So that entire time, uh, was just straight ranger. Wow. Yeah. yeah um, I did every, crazy. every phase twice. Um, and you know, like whatever you can give me shit for that or whatever, but nobody knows really what happened there other than myself, the guys that I was there with, 
um, and the school. So there's a saying that real Rangers recycle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, um, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. uh, and the guys who go straight through and they, act, they got the, the luck of the draw sometimes. Cause it, really that school's it's unpredictable. You have to, um, not only you have to meet the, the standard under sleep deprivation, starvation and stuff, but it also depends on who your grader is. Like there was a guy who was known to give no goes. So, you know, some of it's opinion based, some of it's luck. Some of it's like, how is your, uh, how is the rest of the people around you performing? So sometimes leadership only goes so far whenever, uh, like people been rained on for six days straight and then trash pickup doesn't come. So now they're carrying extra weight and they're all grumpy that morning. And then you're trying to go out and do a mission and they're already starting off on the wrong foot, you know? So it is tough, but you know, um, you know, especially, um, or, you know, again, the, the time that you were going through, uh, I know they had put extra, some extra pressures on you because, um, because you were the first to do it. So, um, you said a lot. First, you were first pro- from first from first from regiment. From um, regiment, right, right. Which, I mean, I mean, I I I talk about this on my my page anyway, so it's not like you guys are going to get shit for it. But I mean, it, it doing my doing my sit ups on the first day, having an RI literally looking at me while I'm doing my sit ups and yelling at me like you're ruining the legacy of regiment. Like you shouldn't be here. You're ruining our culture. Um, you're, you're like, you're not going to make it through. And it's yeah. like, okay. Like I'm not, but I yeah. mean, that's, that was my mentality at the beginning. Um, and then when, when you add that type of stuff happening quite a bit, especially on your looks, um, especially behind a tree when you're getting, you know, the counseling or whatever they call it, like whether you get a go or a no go. And it's not really about the counseling. (laughs) Uh, It's not really about your look. It's about other things. And it's, I mean, I went through when I was 28, so it's not like I was, it's not like it was my first experience in the army. Um, But I think just the more and more those scenarios or those things were happening, the more, I mean, maybe they thought it was breaking me down, but it was just making me, say fuck you even more and want it even more um it just gave me more of a purpose of being like i i don't have an option like i will not let these guys win like i'm going to graduate i'm either going to be taken out handcuffed or on a stretcher because there's i'm not leaving until i I do this school so maybe that's just the jersey in me but i it just motivated me even more to to graduate yeah tony talked about um you talked about being competitive and stuff. Cause I know, I know for the times um, there was no better motivation for me than somebody to tell me you can't do that. Yeah. yeah. Being that able was to take the ultimate. That and, yeah. Morph it into the motivation for yourself is, is huge and very helpful, especially in some of those things. And especially when it's, it's coming from not even a place from you can't, you shouldn't be able to do something. You're not able to do something because they just think you shouldn't be able to um, being yeah. able to take that and use it as motivation is like huge. And probably one of the, one of the reasons that you you have done all the things that you have been able to accomplish it's a great testament to you and it's something you talk about on your social media and something that i really like you've you've put a post where um 
you talk about, you know, uh, experiencing that adversity and then the mindset that you have going into it. And I think that applies not only to, you know, these type of goals, but so many goals in life, because there's times where, you know, people told me, oh, you can't do that because of this. Or, you know, people always got that. And it doesn't matter what the, the pursuit is. There's always going to be those people who say you can't or you shouldn't or whatever. It's just like it's programmed. It's like part yeah. of the programming, you know, anytime you're going to accomplish something great. So, um, you know, hearing you talk through that is, I think, super motivational, super helpful. Um, so there's a lot of things on uh, on your page that I really like that you talk about. And there's also uh, things that you cover that I think are especially uh, great for, you know, females looking to pursue hard charging goals like you have, you know, um, you also provide things that uh, I wouldn't think about, you know, because, um, you know, you got a different perspective on everything. So, um, you know, talking about, uh, I think one of the things I, I had mentioned before was I like the post where you talked about growing your hair back after ranger school, like yeah. some things that you did. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Incredible stuff. And um, so that being said, you know, so you, you develop this mentality of I'm making it through no matter what, um, you know, from what, what I could control. I mean, like, right. I don't want that to come across as yeah. like, oh, we'll see, like, oh, she was just pushed through because blah, blah, blah. Like, nah, I, I earned it. Like, I, I mean, at any, there's many points at which my body was saying, stop, do this, like, stop doing this. Like your body cannot do this anymore. I mean, my second Florida, I was carrying my ruck on one shoulder the whole time. Like my body was completely fucked for a very, very long time, let alone my brain, um, from the sleep deprivation and everything. And, um, it probably like long-term, you know, even mental health wise, it probably would have been smarter for me to be like, okay, I'm going to come back. But no, like that's not what being a ranger is. It's gritting through it. So, yeah, you did. I remember I used to tell myself it was my third time through Florida and I would say <laughs> every day there's me and another guy. I'd say, all right, this is the last damn time. It wasn't, <laughs> but I had to tell myself every day, this is the last time. Cause I was like, if they recycled me, I would have done it. But I was like, I was so tapped out at that point. And, uh, and you had done, uh, a month, a month longer than that. So yeah, that's an incredible feat and it's, it speaks yeah. incredible volumes of your ability to, um, push through, uh, that adversity. So, you know, um, yeah, definitely an amazing thing that you accomplished. And so that kind of leads into, um, you know, recovery afterwards. We talk about how hard ranger school is on, on the body. Um, I know it, I would say it took me, personally months, if not years to just physically recover, you know, um, you, you talked about after ranger school, you, you were pretty broke down. Um, how did you recover from that? And what was your process like physically recovering from it? Uh, so we want to do physically first and then mental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So physically, Physically, I think uh, it actually took a couple weeks after graduation for to actually start feeling um, pain, the, the, the level of pain that my body was ready to start letting me feel. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but like I even tried to start working out 
<laughs> like a week after graduation because I'm still in this mentality. But then my nerves started feeling again. Um, my body started feeling again. I think maybe it, because it realized, okay, we're not doing all this crazy shit anymore. We can start healing. And that was when I started to actually start feel pain. Um, like I, I couldn't even wear, I couldn't even wear a sports bra because I couldn't get my arms over my head. Um, I couldn't wear a purse because my back was just so fucked. And, um, like I would, for, it was like probably two or three months. Like I well, carrying a hundred pounds up. for, yeah, for like, 20, 30 I'm, hours a day is, is bad yeah, for you. It just, <laughs> I know. And then I'm like, I can't even wear, I can't even wear a backpack because it was just, I started to actually feel, um, the pain and yeah. like my feet, I couldn't even, t- I couldn't even stand or touch my feet because the nerves in my feet were just so it was, so it actually took quite a while for me to start physically healing once I actually started to feel the pain. Um, but that I, I recovered quicker with that than my mental health. Um, and you can hide mental health a lot easier and like normal for me was, it it was completely different. Like once, once I graduated, um, and now, okay, now I'm a ranger at 75th Ranger Regiment. Okay. Ranger school is done. That's behind me. All right. It's time to get to work. And I never really processed the things that happened to me there. I'd never really processed. Um, I never really went to the psych. I didn't do much mental work. Um, I just went straight to work. I just went straight to my job and just started having tunnel vision on my job and not actually processing the effect of that much lack of sleep, that much attention, that much pressure and what that image was that I, I stepped into. Um, I didn't tell you, I didn't talk about this that much. Like I, I did touch on it with you when we were chatting about this before we started doing this podcast, but I shared my, my disordered eating that, that started a couple of years actually after ranger school. I think that was like a byproduct about a lot of, a lot of stress and a lot of just ne- self neglect and identity issues of who, who am I now? Um, I, I am Sydney. I'm, I'm captain Jack at the time. I'm captain Jack's like, I'm this AG person that loves her job, but who, who am I now outside of just doing my job? I, I had, I, I never really took the time to think about it. Um, but I had a lot of paranoia. I think that was the the hardest thing. I think that's what led into the eating disorder was paranoia. Like I, at the PX on Fort Benning, I, I swear to God, like I, I would walk into the PX and I would, I would bet my paycheck that every single face was just staring at me. And it's not ego. That's not arrogance. That comes from not just not being able to even go anywhere without somebody pulling me aside and asking me, oh, how was Ranger School? Oh, how yeah. did how did you make it through? How did you not quit? Oh, how were you treated there? And and when it's those questions every single day, and I'm not complaining about it because yeah, like that's that's what comes with wanting to be a trailblazer and doing things first. But I didn't know how to handle that amount of attention, uh, amount of attention because I didn't ask for that attention. So I, I didn't know how to handle it. And it just started chipping away at being comfortable in public. And I would, I would fake it. Like I, I would be positive because I had to, you know, I, I had to be, I had to have that image of being strong and being healthy and being, being okay. 
I'm, yeah. I'm a captain in the right in the ranger regiment. Like I can't, you can't show weakness. Um, and that's okay. Like that's how it should be. But I didn't, I didn't go to any doctors. Like I didn't go to the psych. I didn't go talk to anybody until, uh, you know, I kind of just hit a rock bottom. Yeah. So. And that's yeah, one and thing we, we talk about that here too. Like that's one thing we preach, like <clears throat> physical and mental health are very important. And I know for a while there was a stigma about getting help for both, to be honest, physical and mental health. Yeah. I mean, just going to sick call for your broken ankle was sometimes looked down upon. Yeah. Um, but I tell a lot of these guys that listen to us and men and women that want to join that you're doing yourself a disservice. You're going to make yourself a worse ranger, a worse soldier, a worse Marine. If you're not, in peak condition physically and mentally mm-hmm. um you're you need to go and make sure that both of those things are firing on all cylinders or you're going to be less effective at whatever you do choose to do um exactly. it's just so hard to fight through one to recognize when it's happening um to tell yourself that it's okay to go and get help and then you know go through doing it and it's it's tough yeah and it's you know what like you're absolutely right and um, that's one of the things about uh, about like this mentorship that I do with women who even are thinking about putting a pack, packet together to try to get to regiment. It's like, you have to have that support circle. You have to have those mentors. You have to have those friends that can start identifying if you start to fall off path when you, when you can't even see it yourself to, to help you. Um, Cause I, I mean, I didn't even see it. I didn't even see it happening because I was so tunnel vision on my job. And also like I, I'm at the 75th Ranger Regiment and you think I'm going to like start complaining about my mental health from Ranger school. What the things that happened to me there were, were pretty messed up. But in my mind, I'm, I mean, look at the, look at these NCOs that I'm working with, like, and what they've done and what, how many times they've deployed and what they've done in combat. Like, who am I to say I need help when there's so much sacrifice that has happened in that unit. Um, but that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't get help because in the end, my responsibility is to be the best officer that I can be and to make the right decisions, um, and to do my job. And, um, I think it got to the point where I stopped being able to think. I just, I was just so, I was so in denial. Um, until I wasn't, <laughs> and then it was like, okay, I need help. Like I need some, yeah. I need some help. Well, you know, a lot of people don't realize how much um, they think that, you know, mental health and, and trauma and things is, is an acute thing. Oh, there was an incident that happened. Oh, it has to be something that's, you know, happened on deployment or things, but working uh, under that much stress for that long affects a lot of people. And mm-hmm. that's something I really appreciate about you and your accomplishments is you did it. Um, and like I said, you weren't looking for it, but you know, they have your picture on, on the side of a, there's, there's even a post you did where you're standing by you're, There's a picture of you on the side of a truck. It's part of a yeah. army recruitment, um, thing. And, you know, there's a lot of, it was like, it was like for, for me, you know, when I accomplished those things, I kind of, uh, blended in, but you being the first to do it, the trailblazer, you know, it's not like, it's like you said, you couldn't hide. So everywhere you go, like, like I said, that's what drew me to you initially, whenever I was looking on the Instagram uh, feed or whatever. And I saw, I saw you there with a Ranger tab and scroll. And I was like, 
that is awesome. That is a badass woman. I need to know who this is. And I clicked there and I, I had recognized you before because I remember when you were going through and doing the things. And I think I had seen that same um, army ad before. And I was like, it's awesome. She's got a social media. I reached out and I wanted to do this podcast. It's, yeah. it's an incredible thing. But with that comes a lot of pressure. And yeah. um, I appreciate that you've, you know, been through that much pressure and and sharing these things with us because it's so interesting to to hear about it and something that you know you just look to do something incredible and better yourself and there's a lot of pressures that come with that you know yeah um not because, a lot of people join the army to get their face on the side of a ad <laughs> yeah yeah right and i mean it's cool it, right yeah. like it's 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 cool yeah. um but when it's when it also brings a lot of criticism um, and it brings a lot of follow on conversations that are just get can really weigh you down. I, I did not establish a I did not establish the right outlets and the right structure to keep me healthy through that type of attention and through that level of attention, especially when I'm in a unit that you are expected to be humble. And as much as I tried to be humble and tried to be quiet, I, I still have a response. Like I, I can't help. I can't, we, we didn't even know that picture was going on the side of a, of a semi-truck, you know, like they just asked for a picture and then it's there. And it's like, Oh, they didn't Shit. even tell you that was happening. They just did it. <laughs> not and they yeah. not being regiment. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, army, but the army, and, yeah. and right. it's you know, but it's cool, right? Like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have the, like a, a woman that's showing you know this and that, like taking myself out of it. Like, yeah, you know, if I was 18 years old and I see a, that on the side of a truck, me like, oh yeah, okay, she can do it. So can I. Like, uh, that's amazing. Um, but I, I did not know the techniques or how to handle that type of attention while also being in a unit that you're expected to be humble, which it's, I, that's what I loved about regiment where it's like, no, you keep your head down and you work and you do your job. Um, and right. it's, it was very, I didn't know how to balance that type of attention and that new normal of like, who am I also receiving a lot of just, just female hate, um, not from specifically the unit, but just the public in general. I mean, knowing that my dad, you know, rest in peace, like was reading all of those horrible comments on Facebook and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a lot. Um, and whatever, you know, like I handled it the best I could, but that's why I run this page now is for, all of that was pretty new. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't have a woman that I could reach out to and ask how to handle this. I don't even know if I would have, because I was so like competitive being like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like work, 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 work. But that all of that shit catches up to you. If you don't, if you don't face it and try to try to manage it. Yeah. You had to become the one to give the support and that's yeah. a lot of pressure yeah. for that. I was going to say, you can, there's not many people you can reach out to, you know, because you were the first person to do some yeah, of these I didn't things. Have there's to... been so yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that's that's why you know people are probably oh well then why are you looking for this attention now? But it's like that's my responsibility. I'm I'm in a different place now. Um, a lot of therapy, a lot of like more calm jobs and everything. Since then, um, COVID happened, which put me on lockdown and allowed me to really look in the mirror and be like, all right, so what are you doing with this? Um, 
what do you, are you just going to sit quiet and not turn this into what you needed, you know, like not turn your voice into something that these younger women need, or what are you doing to make sure that the next person doesn't have it as weird, um, or as confusing as I, as I went through. So that's what I do now. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're reaching a point where, you know, as more and more people do it, it becomes more and more of the norm. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. You pointed out COVID was kind of the same period for me where I had uh, been in the military for a few years, worked as a personal trainer, strength coach, went through school. And, um, you know, I was kind of in this point where, you know, obviously we're locked down and I was looking to, um, it was either start an online thing or go bag groceries at down the road, you know? And so I started plugging into this thing and I said, you know, I, I, I started tailoring to the military community and I realized it's important to share your mission with people. It's important to share the, your, your life experiences and expertise, like with the incredible things you've accomplished. Um, I, I, that's what, that's what I thought was so cool about what you're doing is I looked, I was like, there's not, I don't know if there's any other thing like it. You know, I think you're the first to create this community as well. And I was like, that's a cool thing that is going on. So, you know, your, your page is called balance your grit and you talked about it a little bit, but what's, what's your mission with it and what do you do with it? Yeah. So it started because of after that, that period of my life, like that, a year, 14, 15 months of a lot of therapy, a lot of self-work, a lot of looking in the mirror. Um, a lot of refining pride in what I accomplished uh, for the first time, allowing myself to kind of feel those types of emotions and being like, yeah, Sydney, you may have been, you know, lost your identity or something, but you've done some pretty cool shit. And it's time yeah. to, it's time to check on your girls. Like it's time to check on some people now that I'm healthy enough um, and have enough time. <laughs> like, I mean, training with industry, I had, that was my job at a regiment. It was not nearly um, close to the workload that I had at, at 75th. And so I started, started reaching out to some of the women who were in some pretty difficult units. Um, I made some long posts on the female ranger Facebook group that I had just joined because I never really was a part of those types of groups before. Um, and so I, I did this long introduction, introducing myself, what I'd gone through, the mental things that I had faced unexpectedly, um, and just shared my story. And my phone just did not stop blowing up for like two weeks. And it was a lot of women experiencing very similar things. Um, a lot of messages saying, I thought I was the only one that felt these things. Oh my gosh, you experienced these things too. You know, I thought you had, I thought you were, you had everything like put together. Everything was good. Like, and I did like, I mean, I did my job well, like that's, you know, I did my job, but at home I was like falling apart And um, just a lot of those types of messages from other women. And for maybe three months, um, every other day on the phone till, 11 and 30 at night, 11 o'clock at night, just having long conversations 
um, emotional conversations, just listening to younger women venting or even women my rank or more senior just opening up and venting. And I'm hearing all of these parallel things that we just don't talk about because uh, we can't. It's career suicide. Like you can't, it's social suicide if you just start talking about this stuff in a lot of in a lot of scenarios. And a lot of us women, the grit that it takes us to actually do and accomplish these things, you know, we push, we push those emotions, we push those things to the side. And we are just, we fall on that grit. And a lot of times being that focused and that headstrong and that stubborn uh, has kept us from opening up and sharing a lot of our stories and the things that really take effect on our relationships, um, our, our just our health. And that doesn't mean that women should not be doing these jobs at all. It just means that we need that sisterhood. We need to share these things with our brothers. We need to be able to find a way to start sharing these stories and realizing, yeah, there are some unique things that we face and there are some unique challenges that are new. They're so new. They're so fresh. And providing those resources or just providing that support and that friendship of being like, yo, these things are not unique to you. You're not a failure. I went through these things too. I did the, I made these right decisions in that scenario. I made these wrong decisions in that scenario. Don't do this, do this, or just guiding and just mentoring. Um, and it sounds really simple and everything, but that doesn't really happen that much on, on the women's side of uh, the military. If it does, it's like, oh, yeah, oh I'm not, never mind. I'm not going <laughs> to. But it I mean, you're... Into, it, doesn't, it doesn't always get into the grit of what it takes to go through Ranger School or what it takes to be in some of these units. And I'll just say it, you know, and because it's some dark, it's some heavy shit. Um, so I was just like, I'm just going to start doing, I'm just going to start talking about it. I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start sharing it because I know it's helping women and I know it's helping people. I know it's helping men start to hear it and to start, cause there's, there's dudes that I, I am so close with and they know what I went through. Um, and it also just helps them realize like how to help me. I know, you know, like I'm there to help them when they need it. You know, even at ranger school, you know, how many dudes like got emotional in the foxhole, just wanting to vent and just let their, let whatever they're feeling out. I don't think it's a coincidence that it was to me as like their sister, you know, listening to it, I'm helping them. They should be able to help me too. And they can only help me if I start talking and sharing my story. Um, so yeah, that's really what balance your grit is. And that's where the title came from. It's like that grit that gets us to some amazing accomplishments can also keep us from achieving more because it just limits us. So it's, the important, it's the important of balancing your grit with taking care of yourself, which yeah. I think is important for everybody, yeah. you know? Um, Cause I was yeah, going to no. say, you talked about how like some of the men that you served with, like they weren't good. It helps them help other people, but that's because we don't know what we're doing either. Very few people around you mean, at any time probably could use therapy most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happened at regiment too. Like it was like my first three months there and there was a first sergeant that came into my office and was like, Hey ma'am, um, 
there that was when we start that was when the first few enlisted women had passed RASP one. And one of the first sergeants came into my office and was like, Can she come to you for stuff? And I'm like, Of course she can. But so can her team leader. So can her squad leader. So can her platoon sergeant and her platoon leader. And so can you and your com- and, and your commander. You all can come to me too to get advice on how to lead her because eventually she should be able to go to you for certain things. Exactly. She should you be know? able to go like, to her can, leaders as well, yeah, what, exactly. regardless of gender. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And of course she can come, 100% she can come to me. Um, but this, it's also like my page, it's not like I only accept women to follow it. It's, it's certain things where it's like guys learn a lot of stuff too. A lot of men reach out to me on my page and they're like, thank you for sharing these things. I, you know, I, I'm learning a lot from watching this too. Um, we, we learn how to lead men, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I made this post for this podcast, there was a lot of Rangers that reached out to, and they're like, dude, this is awesome. This is a awesome opportunity, which I was pumped for it too. But it's so interesting to get your insight, you know, after your experiences and especially you being the trailblazer, the first one to do it and to hear how it went for you and get your like perspective on things. It's been really cool. Um, I think it's a cool thing you're doing. I did want to lead into uh, some of the follower questions. So you, you actually yeah. did a and A. I stole some of them. Um, mm. Truth be told, but they were really good questions. These are things that people were asking you. So I kind of want to ask you this on uh, on our podcast. So um, I'll go through a few here. So okay. going back to Ranger <laughs> School, you talked about shaving your head. Um, somebody yeah. had asked if you think uh, women should shave their heads for Ranger School. If that should be a requirement, why? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I was so excited to shave my head. (laughs) I would do it again right now if it was didn't come across as like, like move on, you know. Like (laughs) graduated four years ago, like I would shave my head again right now if it wasn't like if I wasn't in the army, I would do it again. Um, I think it's important. I mean, it's just first off, it's hygiene, it's uniformity. Um, Everybody is the same there. Yep. Uh, you know, even at a certain point, once your once your body hits a certain point, you know, there isn't really such thing as male, female. <laughs> uh, yep. You're just you're there, your rangers and your students. And that's absolutely an amazing thing to feel as a woman being feeling that equal because um, your bodies all are are pretty, you know, hormonally equal. Broken, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sixty broken people, yeah, humans. Yeah. Well, we yeah, talked. I mean, we talked about you're too. sharing sleeping bags with no sexual anything because your bodies can't even do that. Even if like it's you're there, you're just bodies trying to get through Raider School at that point. Um, it's purely about heat and survival. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. But we talked so about. That, yeah. Sorry, we talked about. Um, you know, when you lump people together like that. You have people of all different ranks. You have, you know, when I went through, I was yeah. a PFC, I was a E3. Um, so private first class. And, um, you know, there's people, there's pe- the, somebody in my squad that was a first sergeant. And then there was captains, there was majors, um, sometimes even higher than that. And you shave everybody's head and you put them under all that stress and all the ranks go out the window. I mean, you can, you rip them all off yeah. anyway. You're wearing no rank, no patches. Everybody's head shaved. And yeah. Yeah, that's something you're big on is, you know, like you showed up ready to play ball, like ready to go, like ready, ready, fucking ready for game time. Like, yeah, it was. That was the championship game, like I okay, final four, that was, you know. Was it that was was, too? it got me into the big dance here, like it's okay. it's time to play and. 
yeah, I was pretty pumped. But like, especially for women shaving their head, like I I thought it was an amazing experience. And that's what I tell a lot of these younger women. That's when you strip what society tells you makes you beautiful as a woman. Um, this is kind of like an old school thing, but like when you remove your hair, you got to own it. Like you, you, you straight up have to own, own yourself, like own what you look like and still be like, yeah, I'm still a woman. Like, yeah, I'm so beautiful. And like, okay. Yeah. You tell me that my hair is what I find security in as a woman. Like you don't have that anymore. And you don't have that. Like at Ranger school, like you don't, it's an equalizer. You're, you're, a ranger. you're a candidate, like you're a ranger. And it's that comes before anything else. And having to brush your hair or having to put your hair in a bun or having the luxury of having hair when there's dudes that don't have hair, it doesn't make it equal. So, so I, I was going to ask you about this because I, from my experience, going out of ranger school, because again, s- six months for me, even longer for you, um, coming out and integrating again with the garrison. Uh, I had been in that environment so long, like obviously you have the RIs, which are your instructors, but you know, you, you spend a lot of time integrating with that platoon as you're moving through ranger school. Yeah. Um, and you're, again, everybody's head shaved, there's no rank and everything. So to go back to an environment where um, it was like a rank mattered again and all these things, it was, it was a weird transition for me. Was it, did that, yeah. uh, did that feel weird for you to kind of integrate back after ranger school after all that time? Everything was weird. I mean, everything was weird because now I, I didn't really get a second to breathe after. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to Iceland for a week. That was my breathe, my breathing thing. Like I just wanted to get away from the world and like go look at some glaciers. And so that was like a week of breathing. Yeah. Um, and some isolation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't just yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like reintegrating back into work, especially as a staff primary especially in a job that I was not technically, I didn't have, I had enough experience to do it, but it, I mean, I was still learning. I mean, my brain was already kind of fucked from school and then also having to learn and comprehend and retain information. It was really hard, um, just mental capacity wise to, to grasp everything that I was doing. Um, but it was also, everything was weird in general, like things changed even with friends or, you know, even family members being like, who is this mon? Is she a monster now? You know, <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I'm still like goofy city, but, um, everything changed after graduation and that's okay. Uh, life should constantly change, but at least for like socially, um, I meant to say this earlier, like one of the really great things about doing two phases of like of every phase was spending twice as meeting and spending twice as long and meeting twice as many Rangers, as many bad boys that I worked for, you know, as the RS1, it just gave me twice as much of a purpose, twice as many friends, um, twice as many guys that I knew walking around the footprint. Um, even like one of them ended up getting med boarded out and I pulled him up to my shop to like work in my shop for his last few months like off the line, um, so that I could help him get to school, write letters of rec and just get him away from, I think the emotional pain of seeing all your buddies like doing all this stuff and you can't. Um, so it was just things like that, that helped me actually really integrate 
with those junior guys pretty well. Um, then I had to get out of the mentality of like, I'm up with the, I'm up with the, the, the big dogs and I gotta, I gotta switch. Switch gears back. There's a structure here now. Yeah. 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 It is. Yeah. It is a weird uh, transition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and when you go back to, I I know like going back to the 75th, it was just like, you just jump back wherever they're at. So like for some people (laughs) to get out, it's like, you're just like, Oh, you're back. Come on. And then you got to reprogram. Yeah. You're behind. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that said, you know, when, whenever you went through, you know, RASP and, and Ranger school, you went through all the same physical requirements. There's only one standard. Yeah. There's the Ranger standard. Um, yeah. You know, um, that said, I, I was actually curious your opinion on this when it comes to the rest of the army and how they operate. Um, do you think there should be one physical standard for everybody? Or do you think, you know, as far as conventional forces go, there should be a male standard, female standard? So my opinion on this, and it has been this opinion since really being in the White Falcons, um, when they were talk about changing the APFT, is that this is just me. I think it should be unit based. Um, I think it should be what your unit is, what your unit mission is, um, regardless of gender. And look, you know, I was in an 80s, I was in a H human resources postal company platoon thing where like I ran a post office right like yeah you still need to be physically fit because you need to deploy and you need to qualify on your weapon and this and that but like that compared to 75th Ranger Regiment or just across the street to an infantry airborne infantry battalion like I think it I think the standards should be based on your unit um and that's serving in a unit where all of the standards were based on the unit do I think that you know, guys in the, in an HR company need to be as, be more physically fit than the most physically fit women. Like, absolutely not. Like there's certain jobs where you, the army needs your brain more than your muscle. And, and there's certain jobs where the army needs your muscle more than your brain. And, um, and that sounds kind of messed up, but it's kind of true. It's true. And, yeah. um, I, so I think it should be based on the, the unit type. I just thought of that meme where it's like, if those infantrymen could read, they'd be really mad right now. But, <laughs> um, but I agree with that. I'm, I'm a big, like, I, mean, I think job. it should be MOS based. I don't care if my parachute uh, rigger can do like eight pushups. I just care if he can rig my parachute correctly. Just make sure it opens. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> yeah but, like, but AG, I mean, take AG, for example, mm-hmm. like I'm straight AG. I've never been infantry and I've spent a number of years in infantry units and I think I should be held to the standard of the unit, not my branch. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where you sometimes end up having the wrong people, non-infantry people, put in infantry units. And that leads to lack of trust. That leads to lack of um, competency, you know, credibility. Because you, you represent the unit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And right. I mean, I think there's, Yeah. Like yeah. case in point, the job I'm in right now, I'm we're literally designing software. And there's people that I work with that are so freaking smart, just in their own time. They just learn how to code. And yeah, they should be in the they should be in these types of jobs. 
Um, they're huge assets to the army, knowing how to code and think on such a ridiculous level. Um, keep them in those types of jobs. If they don't, if they don't want to go jump out of planes and go on a unknown distance ruck march, that's fine. You know, Which there's people that do don't because do they're smart, obviously. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's for us dummies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think less people would get out if they felt like they could fit in. So there's units that people like that can fit in, and then and there's units like the 75th Ranger Regiment. So yeah. <laughs> um. So that being said, um. Uh, there's there's two more questions I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're somebody who's uh, been through a lot of challenges. Um, whenever you um, you're feeling demotivated, how do you how do you uh, motivate yourself? I think one of the questions was worded. Uh, I was trying to look for it, but I I don't read too good. Yeah. Um, he can read. He's really <laughs> upset. <laughs> uh, but okay, here's the question. It says, what do you do when you're feeling burned out and need motivation? So I've been there quite a number of times and I, I think a number of us have been. Um, and I think each time I've gone through that phase, it might be a little bit different. Um, but I think first off, it's important to feel that and to not deny yourself feeling unmotivated. I think it's, it's important to actually sit in that for a little bit, um, to acknowledge it and to not run from it because the, the, if there's something that is in you, that's making you unmotivated or making you feel stuck or making you feel like a fraud, um, or making, you know, imposter syndrome and all of that stuff. I think if you try to deny it and you try to run from it, it's just going to keep catching up and coming in like more full more with more force than it did before. So I think it's very important to sit in that and to let yourself actually feel it and to analyze it and to try to figure out where it's coming from so that you can actually do something about it. Um, and even if it's just something small, I think I, I, I responded to that post, like, Give yourself a set amount of time to actually feel it and just feel the absolute worst of it, no matter how that comes up, but set an end, set an end state to it. You know, no matter how deep you get into like negativity, if you set a timer on your phone or you set a timer or a, a end point where, okay, once I get to that end point, it's done and I'm moving on. Um, that's what has helped me whether it's on like a small scale or a big scale where it's like, okay, like I have felt this. Um, and now it's time to do something about it. And, um, at that point, you know, like metal music helps a lot. <laughs> um, like working out, like for me, it's helping people. Uh, once I start feeling myself being unmotivated or feeling stuck, I start, to be like, okay, well, who have you, who have you checked up on? Like, who have you helped? Like, what have you done to try to make this weird world a little bit better? Um, and that's just for me. Um, I've, that's my page and that's friends, that's family. So it's just finding what that hobby is or finding what you're good at and turning that into something positive just creates more positivity, uh, more motivation. At least that's, that's at least for me, but and um 
Yeah, I think that's important too. Like you said, I, I actually like that you said that it's like identifying, taking that time to identify the problem so you can fix it. That's really yeah. the first step in identifying. Yeah. Um, Therapy helps with that too. Like if you can't do it on your own, there's really nothing wrong with going to somebody. Yeah, great. <laughs> going to therapy and like going to a psych, like great. special operations units have psychs for a reason. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's either going to, either you, you manage it or it catches you on the back end, like you said, and you don't want to catch, you don't want to catch it when you're at rock bottom, you know, like some of us do. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's great. You know, I also say, you know, when it comes to like short-term motivation, like, uh, let's get to the gym today or whatever. Motivation is kind of a fleeting thing. It's like, um, sometimes podcasts, like train like a ranger podcast. Um, or, uh, or, you know, music, like you said, heavy metal, you know, get yeah. yourself up to, to do things. Sometimes it's, it's an yeah, ongoing I mean, battle for all of us. There's, there's certain songs that like, I'll listen to them now and it'll just bring me like, to, it'll just, I'll just start literally physically like shaking and just get tears in my eyes. I just, I feel like I'm just going to explode with like, just, I got to go fucking do something because that's what was in my brain during school or that's what was in my brain during like the ruck march at rasp or um just certain songs or certain albums that just bring out so much emotion and motivation that i really i can only listen to them when i when i need to feel motivated <laughs> yeah um so i mean music is a huge thing for me too but i don't know if that's super cliche or not but whatever <laughs> no no i i hear you i feel the same way yeah um, before I ask my last question, Jay, you got anything? Yeah. No, I'm good. <clears throat> okay. So what's next for major Jacks? What's do you, what's your, uh, next big goal? Is it going Delta force <laughs> next? What's next for you? <laughs> no. no, I'm not. I got, I got the email and I'm like, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> no okay so this is this is it's so funny that you asked me this question because like i get a lot i get crap from my mentors for this but i kind of am committed to it now because it's how i've lived my life for the last like 10 years at least my army career i i'm kind of i'm anti i'm kind of anti-goals um that started when i was a second lieutenant being forced to make a five-year plan and list out my goals and i just i was like i don't even I don't even know, like, you're expecting me to make a timeline. I don't even know the army yet. Like I'm two months in. Uh, So I just bullshitted it. And I had peers who followed it and didn't achieve much. Um, And I think for me, it's once I start feeling passionate about something, it's like, it's trusting the process. It's trusting as long as I'm working hard and it's as long as I'm doing something I'm passionate about and I feel a purpose, the universe will present things. And I know that sounds super flowery and super lame, but for me, it's true. And, you know, I had that mentality as a postal platoon leader that was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get tasked with going and manifesting, you know, 82nd out for whatever FTX, like I'm going to do it the best I possibly can. And I'm going to do it better than anyone else has. And it's not a coincidence. I ended up being the first female in any of the three infantry battalions in second brigade, you know, like as AG. And so for me, it's like, as long as I'm just passionate and working my ass off at what I'm doing and being kind to people and being the best person I can, things will pop up. 
And that's kind of where I'm at now, where doing this balance your grit page, like there's, I'm keeping the focus about helping other people. And I trust that more will come from that in order to help more people. Um, so I'm really curious about where that goes. Um, I'm not desperate to get a shit ton of followers. If that happens, it's because it's natural and organic. Um, but as long as I'm keeping the focus to helping these young women turn in, in five years, they are helping women behind them and they're starting to change this culture of like this female competition crap. Um, that's really where my focus is and whatever, whatever things come from that I'm, I'm open to. Um, and I love my job right now. Like I, I love working and designing stuff for Ipse, the future of talent management, um, allowing people to have more opportunities that they didn't even know were an option is a pretty cool thing to me with the army. So just being a part of that huge Ipse talent management thing that affects every single soldier is an incredible purpose that I feel right now. So I'll be here for about another year and a half. And um, what comes after that? I don't know. I, I would be fine with being a major for the rest of my army career. <laughs> I, just, I don't really look at lieutenant colonels and hire and be like, I want to be like that. Cause I, I want to stay close to the soldiers and I want to stay close to a purpose that's not political, but yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I didn't really answer your question because no, um, I don't. Really have, yeah. Okay. You, good. you did. That resonates <laughs> with me a lot, actually. Cause you know, I used to map out every part of my life and, you know, you know, I think, setting goals is um, a tool for some, but, you know, also mm -hmm. being open-minded and being fluid with, you know, the world. Cause it's like, um, you know, we always talk about contingency plans and things like that, but being adaptable yeah. is something, the phrasing that I like to use, like, you know, when opportunities come up, being able to, you know, capitalize on it or, you know, um, being open-minded to um, the different things that come up. So. Um, yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying goals are bad. Like there's right, definitely right. people that need goals. Like my, my boyfriend, he like gets on me because like, I'm not a big, he's, he's very goal driven and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, for me, it's turned out. I've achieved more because I've kept an open mind. Um, right. Yeah. You don't want Bing. to barrel towards a goal so hard that you miss opportunities along the way. You close the exactly. doors as you're going towards it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I think that's great. Um, is there any uh, final thoughts you want to leave people with? Um, thanks for taking the time to listen all the way to the end. <laughs> I know it can be a long winded, but um, you know, I, but I think that kind of goes maybe with my last thought is just the power in listening, um, the power in sitting down and, and listening to other people's stories. Um, listening to their words and their body language, their actions. And um, just looking at, we in the military, we really forget to look at a person for being just an actual human being. And um, what are we doing as leaders to make this human being as healthy and productive and motivated as they possibly can be? And that's not false motivation. That's like actually that person wanting to work hard. And I, I have, I've found in, you know, the latter part of my career is really listening to those that work for me and watching them 
and getting to really know them as a person beyond their uniform and beyond their rank or beyond the units that they've served in. And when they need help, like genuinely giving them help or giving them space or giving them time, they end up working harder for you. And it's not just working hard for me, but like working harder for themselves or the people around them. Um, And I, I think we can do a better job in the military, like just actually listening to each other. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. And even, you know, post-military, you know, the, the veterans have a community as well. You know, um, we gotta, we gotta be that the community and, and start learning to be, you know, we like to create all these barriers and, you know, people need to fit in this and this and this and this, and then we create so many that nobody's connecting. Um, yeah. So and like, there's, know. there's, there's a time and place to like go hard in the fucking paint. Like right. there's a time and place where you need to switch that in your brain and you're in, you're in the game. Um, but we also need to figure out how to be able to, um, be in the off season. Right. Yes. Know when to turn it on and turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a beautiful thing. And, uh, I want to thank you again for coming on. This has been a really cool podcast yes. for us. We really appreciate your time. Um, Thanks. you've been wonderful to work with and, um, and, uh, you know, I just want to say again how much how much uh, we respect you and your accomplishments. Um, you've done amazing things, and and we're really rooting for you and your future endeavors. Uh, rooting for balance your grit, we, guys. We will leave um, links to that in the in the links down below. So thanks cool. again. Thank you. And uh, you guys remember to check out trainlikearanger.com. We have workout programs, nutrition programs, merchant apparel, and as always, much more on the agenda. Uh, you guys out there training, remember to train to your utmost potential like a ranger. See you guys.